Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, the Texas legislature is back in session and on its way to approving an anti-transgender bathroom bill. The Star Trek universe will soon have its very first gay romantic couple. And we'll soon find out if the Academy Award winner Moonlight opened the door for more queer-themed cinema. All that and more on this episode of The Randy Report. As the special session of the Texas legislature called by Governor Greg Abbott got underway this week, the Senate State Affairs Committee voted 8-1 to to approve a bill that would restrict transgender rights. Senate Bill 3 would require that people use bathrooms in government buildings and schools that match the sex listed on their birth certificate. The legislation would also ban local governments and schools from passing rules that would allow transgender people to use the bathroom associated with their actual gender. The bill will now go to the full Senate for a vote where it's expected to easily pass. But many sources expect much more opposition in the House, though, where Republican Speaker of the House Joe Strauss has resisted bringing the bill to the floor. Noting the high level of depression and suicides in the transgender community, he's already told the press, I don't want the suicide of a single Texan on my hands. The State Affairs Committee heard 10 hours of testimony, the majority of which came from LGBTQ activists, teachers groups, school administrators, and business leaders that opposed the bill. It's difficult for transgender citizens to have their birth certificate updated, and it's estimated that a majority of transgender people in the state do not have updated birth certificates. Several business leaders have already testified that Texas's major cities could lose millions of dollars in business if this law is passed. The CEO of Dallas Convention and Visitors Bureau, Philip Jones, said that Dallas has already lost $40 million because of the bill alone and could lose another $1 billion in bookings if the bill passes. The presidents of Austin's and San Antonio's tourism offices also said that their cities would lose business. The bottom line is this is terrible legislation. Just as the folks in North Carolina learned, this can impact the state on many levels, not only regarding the level of accepted diversity in a state, but also when it comes to economic pressures, because it sends a terrible, terrible message to the country and to corporations who are trying to attract the best talent they can for hiring in a state, that Texas is intolerant and that Texas will be intolerant of transgender people. What can you do about it? Make sure if you live in Texas, you look up your representative in the House and in the state Senate, call and let them know that you do not want Senate Bill 3 passed. Let them know exactly how you feel about it. Trust me, they take note of all of these calls. There is a list for and against on the desk of the person who answers the phone. And trust me, these people want to know how strongly their constituents feel about these things. Call, call, call. Also in transgender news, 
A former sailor has been sentenced to almost 50 years in prison for the violent stabbing murder of a Mississippi trans woman. 23-year-old Dewanya Hickerson pled guilty this past Thursday to the murder of 25-year-old nurse Dee Wiggum last June. Autopsy results reveal her throat had been slashed and her face and body stabbed a total of 190 times. Hickerson was sentenced to 40 years for the murder, plus another eight years for robbery, as he also stole Wiggum's purse and cell phone. Parole will not be an option until 2068. Hickerson originally claimed innocence, but struck a deal to avoid the death penalty. Even so, Hickerson attempted to assert a trans-panic defense for his actions, insisting that while they had been chatting online for several months, he was not aware Wiggum was transgender until after they had sex. Once she revealed her gender identity, he claimed he just snapped, saying, I lost it, I lost it, he said in court, adding that he didn't remember much of what happened afterwards. 190 stabbing wounds, folks. That's what happened. Dee Wiggum was the 16th of 27 trans people reported murdered in the U.S. in 2016. In 2017, at least 15 trans people have already been reported murdered, thus far. Over in New Jersey, Governor Chris Christie signed legislation Friday requiring the state to give guidance to public schools about policies for transgender students, including blocking the schools from forcing the students from using bathrooms that conflict with their gender identities. This is excellent news, especially considering many were unsure if Christie would sign the bill. The law was passed by the Democratic-led legislature after school districts around the state began passing their own rules to allow transgender students to use whichever bathroom they choose. The state education department said last year that districts should pass policies to explain how to handle gender identity issues, but they didn't suggest what they should say. Among the requirements of the new law is that the state must give guidance on students using the name, pronoun, and dress that corresponds with their gender identities. Also, schools would be blocked from requiring transgender students from using bathrooms that conflict with their gender identities. At a minimum, schools would have to find, quote, reasonable alternative arrangements, end quote. It's definitely a step forward in New Jersey for transgender people. Thanks to the Democratic legislature for having the courage to do it. Rhode Island became the ninth state in the U.S. to protect young LGBTs from so-called ex-gay therapy this week, as Governor Gina Raimondo signed recently passed legislation into law banning licensed health care providers from using such discredited therapies in attempts to change a minor's sexual orientation or gender identity. The law bars providers from advertising or engaging in conversion therapy for those under 18. It does not bar religious leaders or adults who choose the therapy. Rhode Island joins Nevada, Connecticut, New Mexico, Vermont, Illinois, Oregon, California, New Jersey, and the District of Columbia in banning this harmful practice. The world of Star Trek will add even more diversity to its universe as Anthony Rapp's Lieutenant Paul Stamets on the new Star Trek Discovery TV series will feature the first gay romantic relationship in the franchise's 51-year history. Wilson Cruz, most famous for his iconic turn as Enrique Vasquez on the short-lived mid-1990s TV classic My So-Called Life, will play his love interest. You may recall that the Sulu character in the 2016 movie Star Trek Beyond was revealed to be gay. 
but Rapp's character is the first openly gay main character on a Star Trek TV series. Diversity has been a long-running theme for the sci-fi series. Originally airing in 1966, Star Trek made history by featuring the first black woman to play a lead role on a TV series. Nichelle Nichols portrayed Lieutenant Uhura on the show's original run and just two years later shared the first televised interracial kiss with William Shatner in 1968. Star Trek Discovery co-creator Brian Fuller told the press at Comic-Con this week, quote, Star Trek started with a wonderful expression of diversity in its cast. We're continuing that tradition, end quote. In queer cinema, Beach Rats, Eliza Hittman's sexy Sundance hit about an aimless teen's gay awakening in Brooklyn has released its first trailer this week. The indie film, which won several awards on the film festival circuit, features handsome British newcomer Harris Dickinson as Frankie, who struggles with his sexual identity as he starts to explore the world of online hookup sites. Critics have called the film a powerful character study that is as visually stunning as it is evocative. In reviewing the film at Sundance, the Daily Beast wrote that Dickinson, who identifies as straight, quote, delivers one of the most grueling, sensual, and captivating star turns at Sundance, and certainly one of the most enticingly naked. Hitman, who earned a Best Director honor at Sundance this year, describes Frankie as someone, quote, sort of trying to understand his own desires in a world where there really is no coming out, end quote. The film also won awards at the Montclair Film Festival and the Independent Film Festival of Boston. Here's the official synopsis. On the outskirts of Brooklyn, Frankie, an aimless teenager, suffocates under the oppressive glare cast by his family and a toxic group of delinquent friends. Struggling with his own identity, Frankie begins to scour hookup sites for older men. When his chatting and webcamming intensify, he begins meeting men at a nearby cruising beach while simultaneously entering into a cautious relationship with the young woman. As Frankie struggles to reconcile his competing desires, his decisions leave him hurtling towards irreparable consequences. The Hollywood Reporter reviewed the flick thusly. The film brews a potent cocktail of bristling male aggression and inarticulate sexual longing mixed with fear, as Frankie's burgeoning identity becomes irreconcilably distant from his native habitat. That makes for a tense and unsettling final section with the conclusion that leaves Frankie reeling at an ambiguous crossroads. With such strong word of mouth for Beach Rats, plus the big win for Best Movie at the Academy Awards this year by Barry Jenkins' gay-themed Moonlight, I'll be curious to see if the door opens a bit more for mainstream success for queer-themed cinema. Beach Rats opens August 25th in select cities, and you can find the trailer on my blog, therandyreport.com. That brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you click the subscribe button on my page on iTunes, and then every time I upload a new episode, it'll be sent straight to you automatically. And remember you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com where I report on the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. And finally, if you aren't following viral musician, performer, satirist Randy Rainbow on YouTube, you're really missing out. 
Randy's music video parodies of Broadway and film songs provide brilliant commentary on Donald Trump's erstwhile administration, instantly becoming viral sensations. I'm going to play out with Randy's newest parody, The Room Where It Happened, which spoofs Donald Trump Jr.'s meeting with an increasingly large group of Russians set to the tune of Hamilton's hit, The Room Where It Happens. If you like, and I'm betting you will, make sure you head over to YouTube and search for Randy Rainbow's channel and subscribe there. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. A Russian lawyer and a businessman walk into a room with intention to collude. Rude. The lawyer baited him with questionably controversial business and the businessman pursued. Dude. The businessman maintains that it was innocent and furthermore that he was unsure what the meeting was even about. The lawyer claims that she's totally not tied to Russian government. But here's the part they both left out. Someone else was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. Lots of people in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. No one really knows why it happened yet. Did he aid in a bet on the day that they met? Yep. Back in June when it happened, with lots of people in the room where it happened. Donald claims. Someone sent me an email. A publicist named Goldstone, a friend of the family. Donald claims that he might have made a boo-boo. In retrospect, I probably would have done things a little differently. Donald claims. Jared Kushner dropped by, but got bored pretty quick, and then he dipped out quietly. Donald claims. So before you change your tune, you're saying there's the lady, Slim Shady, and Junior, but someone else was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. Lots of Russians in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. A Russian lobbyist, a translator, and all. No one really knows why they met with them at all. But this buffoon let it happen With lots of people in the room where it happened There are new revelations about the meeting between Donald Trump Jr. and a group of Russians Meanwhile President Trump and his thugs are cracking under pressure But they think they're pretty clever Meanwhile Kellyanne Conway is queuing up the cue cards No, we don't have that yet Okay, whatever. The look on little Donnie's face is one of confusion. He doesn't know the definition of collusion. Uh, but I didn't know who I was meeting beforehand. Never heard of the person. Never got the information until they were in the room. Where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. Lots of people in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. My God. There is nothing there. Only half the Russian Kremlin and a dumb billionaire. This goon made it happen. He was also in the room where it happened. The exact transaction as it was laid uh, out. Excuse me for interrupting, Jay, but we have some breaking news. We've just received an updated list of who was actually in the room during Donald Jr.'s meeting with the Russians. This is going to take a while. So forgive the slight disruption, but you finally got caught. And since there's been some light corruption, there's some questions that we've got. Like your daddy, I assume he was aware of the room. Were these other Russian luminaries there in the room? Joseph Stalin? In the room. How about Putin? In the room. How about Anna Kornikova, Woody Allen, and Rasputin? How about Ivan the Terrible? Yeah. Mikhail Baryshnikov? Boris and Natasha? Mila Kunis? How about Gorbachev? Catherine the Great? Minister of Russia? Why so many people in the room where it happened, the room where it happened? Why do they continue to disguise interactions with lies and distractions? Lots of people Why? in the room where it happened. Why were they in? Lots of Russians in the room where it happened. Why?